0: Ben Hartley, where you get the positive energy you need to help you grow your business, your relationships, and your mindset. If you need the show notes or want to check out the latest blog post, visit sixfigurephotography.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Six Figure Photography Podcast. My name is Ben Hartley. Thank you for listening to today's episode. The purpose of the podcast is to help you grow your business. Um, And there's a few different ways that we do that here. Number one is to help you win more inquiries. Number two, to help you maximize your profits for every inquiry that you have. And then number three is to help you overcome limiting beliefs. Uh, today, we have Damien Lovegrove with us. And, and I imagine that our the angle that we'll end up taking a, a today is going to be one, uh, probably a little bit of a bend towards the creative side of things, because we have someone with such a decorated career. Um, so a bit about Damien. Damien uh, spent his career, a fantastic career, uh, uh, at the BBC as a cameraman and lighting director for spanning 14 years. He left that uh, behind in 1998 to become a full-time photographer. He's an author of three books, uh, a a photography album, uh, or if like a, a, I don't know how I would describe it. And the words just failed me, but like a, uh, he'll correct me in a second, but they, so like just the photographs, right? Like a, a photograph, a photograph book. Right. Um, but then a couple other books on the, the actual business side of photography, one focusing up on weddings, the complete guide to professional wedding photography, another on the portrait side of things, simply called portraits for the last 20 years. Damien, he's traveled the world as a wedding and portrait photographer, sharing his knowledge, skills, experience with passionate photographers. He's a he's a Fuji ambassador. I got my I got my Fuji XT3 right here, a fellow Fuji photographer. Um Damien, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much. It's uh, quite an intro there. Um, uh, you so-
0: have had quite the career. Uh <laughs> yeah, hey, it's not over yet. I was failing yeah. on my words. I was stumbling through how did it, I kept wanting to, this is how my brain was working. It kept wanting to say yeah. the first book, a, a picture book. I'm like, no, it's not a picture book. Yeah. How- okay. I mean,
1: some people call these things, coffee table books, uh, you know, what have you, it's a, a photographer's book. So yes. it's a book containing the personal work of a photographer uh, as opposed to the client work, if that makes sense. So, Thank you um, you know, when, uh, when the person in the picture is a person that's paying for the picture, then that's retail you know that's your wedding client or your portrait client um but when the person in the picture um is is not being is, is not paying for the picture then that's my own personal work so yeah uh, and that's that's what I did i just you know, i created a little coffee table book uh, a few years back and uh, it was great success and it was a lovely book
0: I love that. Damien, spending 14 years uh, and the video side of things, working for the BBC as a cameraman, lighting director, my career as a photographer started out on the video production side as well in TV. not, Not like what you're up to, I imagine. Tell me a little bit about how you feel like working at, uh on your craft from the video side at that kind of production value kind of shaped as you stepped into more of the like b2c side with weddings and portraits how did that kind of shape
1: you yeah i think um the most important thing i carried through from the uh the, the video side and the and the tv production um was the artistic element and i think that's Hopefully what we're going to sort of discuss a little bit today about the creative side of things. Now, when you're filming a documentary, uh, or a, a movie, uh, you, you work every frame for six months of sh- shooting. Every frame is shot at the same aperture. Okay, so um, and they, they're putting ND filters in or whatever to keep the shutter angle the right, etc. But um, so we used to shoot everything at f four, you know, um, on a documentary, and then the look of the scene and the look of the documentary when it's, it's all cut together, it looks like you're looking at the movie through the eyes of one person, mm. and so it's a, it provides that really great sort of artistic. Now, that's what I did at weddings. I did exactly the same. When I started shooting weddings, I shot everything for 10 years at F4. Really?
0: And
1: yeah, every single picture. And we used to shoot a wide shot, which is your establishing scene, and then go for close up, close up, close up. And it's that rhythm. And then you turn the page of the album. And now you're with the guys. And it's a wide shot of the guys. And then it's a close up, close up, close up, the rings on the table and the, the speech um, and the buttonholes being done up or the ties being done and then you turn the page and you're back with the girls and you know it's the bridesmaids getting ready doing each other's dresses up and having fun and so as you go through a wedding album a Lovegrove wedding album it's like a story unfolding you've got two parallel stories all shot at the same aperture all shot into the light no sky in any of the pictures uh you know, very very rigid in the terms of the style and the strategy that we're shooting and so the whole finished album looks like a it's an eloquent body of work which has it's it's you it know has that sort of um, it's self supporting and it's it's of a style and I think sometimes those little traits that you get from uh, learning about shooting movies um, you can bring those into the stills as well you know mm-hmm. when all the action's uh, positive and good it's running left to right through the frame um, and when the action is uh, a little bit edgy, it's running right to left through the frame. It puts that the viewer into a slightly different feel. And I can work the same way often when looking into the pages of an album or getting someone to look out of, a, out of the frame with a forced uh, look. Of the, and it just puts a bit of tension into the picture. Mm. So we can use those same traits. And I thought that was quite a good opportunity to go from video into stills.
0: So I, I I want to make sure I understand this. So what you're yeah. describing is when you're at the BBC and you're filming a documentary, this is over a period of months that you're filming. And so to yeah. create a cohesiveness behind the yeah. footage, you shot everything at the same aperture so it would feel in yeah. line, even though they're months apart. Is that what you're saying? Yeah.
1: Oh, and yeah, absolutely. That scene, and all the tracking shots that were all had the same pace. Yeah. The same movement, the same feel, it's the same. Mm-hmm. There's the same energy. Now, that can change when the, the mood or the drama in the scene needs to be uh, altered or, you know, increased. But that's often done with the cutting rate. So the cutting rate is faster when mm. the heart rate is supposed to go up, you know, in the viewer. Um, and so the, the, it's done. That's sort of done in the edit. But the, the look... The cinematography and the style and the grading and everything has got got one style, one aperture Mm. on the lens. And so we just shot everything at f4. It's easy. You know, we didn't have a standard lens. It had a wide angle lens and a tight lens. Okay, so you have a wide a wide lens, it's, it sets the scene. That is the hardest shots to take, by the way, the, the shots with a wide lens, because you've got the, the carrier bag on the bed, you've got the TV in the corner of the hotel room, <laughs> that the bride's getting ready in, you've got the suits hanging on the back of the door. You know, no, you've got to try goodness. and... then i go into a space i clear stuff i'm moving things from i'm deciding right that i'm shooting into the light into that bay window so that's my zone so while our makeup's being done i'm moving things over to the other side of the room getting rid of the tea and coffee cups or the champagne glasses doing a bit of washing up moving Mm. bags and so once the makeup and, and things are done I've got a whole zone I can shoot into that's clean, crisp and looks fantastic. Um, And so, and it doesn't take many pictures once we're up and ready, you know, just to shoot a few frames of the bride having, you know, we stage it all a little bit uh, with the, with the makeup and the hair. Once, once the makeup's perfect, you know, we can just get the makeup artist just to touch it up slightly. But, you know, I don't bother shooting and, before that point, because the bride doesn't like the pictures anyway. So <laughs> yeah, it's great to be able to shoot to sell, you know, so having your mind on the type of pictures you want to take um, that way you can keep the camera in the bag for a lot of the day uh, and just make sure that all the other peripheries will be you're working on uh, so that when your camera comes out of the bag, you can be quick, efficient, uh, and have a good, have a good shoot.
0: So, you mentioned something that I'm curious about. Yeah. You you said as if it was just like a common thing. You were just you said it as if like oh yeah of course. <laughs> you said no sky in any of the scenes, no sky in any of the photographs. Yes. Is that just a stylistic choice? That's a signature of yours, it's, or is this?
1: It's it, it, no, it's not a signature of mine. It's that's that is movies you know if you look at a movie you won't see sky you really unless you're looking at you know watching a movie like uh, australia or some western going across the deserts and stuff but generally speaking everything's shot without sky um because sky is very difficult to for continuity it's also when it's bright at the top of the frame it draws the eye straight out at the top of the frame so we don't put sky in the top of the picture hmm um, and that's just always that's the character trait of, uh, you know, that's what you're taught as a BBC cameraman. You said, they say, don't put sky in your pictures. If, if sky is part of the scene, you know, you're doing a natural history show and you're out on a, out on a boat and you're filming whales or something, you haven't got any choice because you're low to the ground and there's no opportunity. But as soon as you can get into a helicopter and you've got the, everything changes, you know. So, um, we just, just don't like bright things at the top of the frame It just draw the eye straight out the top of the picture.
0: Yeah. Uh, Man, F4, I'm trying to imagine what it would be like for me. To photograph a wedding the entire day at f4 and i imagine this is where you got really proficient with off-camera flash because i'm imagining how how do you how do you shoot these low it's light not that difficult.
1: it's not that difficult okay so <clears throat> it was more difficult when we we're shooting film of course um yeah. because you're having to change the backs on the hasselblad or whatever uh changing your iso up and down you can't you know once you put or if you put into your nikon you put a 36 roll of 400 uh, well i was team i was shooting near pan 1600, uh, black and white, and then ro- rate, rating it at 800. Um, and uh, you're relying on shutter speeds, being able to go up to 8,000th of a second, uh, and then you know down to whatever, 15th of a second. Shoot everything on a monopod, um, F4 into the light, into the light, no problem at all. I think the, the, the key to it is um, understanding that... At two when I started with um uh, the three classic primes, you know, the the two point eight wide the wide zoom, it was a thirty-five to mm-hmm. seventy back in the day. Um it was only two lenses, um, and then the seventy to two hundred, I think it was. Um it might have been an eighty to two hundred or something. Um it was either a wide lens or a tight lens. Those two lenses, they weren't very good at two point eight. They were they just weren't really crisp. So mm-hmm. I used to work at um at f4 because that was better but also when you're bringing a bride and groom together or, or a group of people at f4 you've got a chance to get all the eyes in focus mm-hmm. so when i'm bringing a bride and groom and i'm bringing a bride back into the groom um so they're leaning back in there parallel to the camera and perpendicular to the camera and as they turn their faces I'm getting all the four eyes in the same focal plane so I can get nice shots of the two of them and then I can turn them around and they could be looking at each other or whatever. Yeah. So it's actually quite okay working at F4 without having too shallow a depth of field. Um, but you still got the opportunity to separate the foreground and the background. So you can mm-hmm. put the background out of focus and it might be on a like a long lens. It might be the the kitchens at the back of the building, you know, and you put the kitchens out of focus, you know, the, or the the uh you know and it's not it's lovely you can make it all look really lovely you know yeah, you put still. a long lens on a on a camera um, at a wedding and you can just pull off individual shots it doesn't really matter where you point it it's going to mm-hmm. look reasonable um of course we shoot into the light all the time so i turn people around um and uh, yeah uh, people actually I, I'll, I'll throw this in there because um I, I got this asked a lot of, uh, recently uh, from someone who was going through my wedding book, and they said, "How do I always get beautiful brides?" And there's, there's a, t- I mean, there's a technique for this, you know. Uh, um, and, and that te- technique, I, when I'm shooting a wedding, with, I was shooting with my my wife, the two of us as a, as a team. Um, It was actually a proper photo shoot. You know, the wedding, it was a wedding, of course, but I mean, we'd take the bride and groom off and we'd do some uh, posed shots, but make them look natural, of course. But um, and would often say to someone if they're inquiring, say, you know, "Do, do you like having pictures taken of yourself? You know, have you ever been photographed professionally? And if someone says, oh, no, I hate having my photograph taken. I'd love you to concentrate on all the guests, et cetera. And I would say, well, perhaps you need a reportage or a documentary-style photographer, someone who will shoot fly on the wall. Um, Because if you choose us, then your wedding day is going to be a photo shoot. And I don't want you to have that that feeling. And so we ended up only attracting people that love being photographed. Of course, it helps in the sales room as well because – um you know people they just oh i love that oh i love that i don't know oh I'll, I'll take them all you know it's that whole process but if you've got someone in the viewing room who is looking at pictures of themselves and they don't like pictures of themselves it's really hard you know it's mm-hmm. hard emotionally for you because you don't feel you've achieved or exceeded their expectations um it's hard for the bank balance and uh yeah so you know just one of those little tips perhaps it might mm-hmm. it might be something to think about
0: when um so, you're a Fuji photographer, and yeah. I'm curious if there was something about, um, yeah, I guess I'm just curious if there was something about uh, the Fuji brand that drew you towards it based off of your values, your your shooting style, maybe even your time at the BBC. Um, what, why did you choose Fuji? I was just out of curiosity.
1: Okay, so uh, I, mean, I left the BBC way back. I mean, this is 1998. Um, mm-hmm. I've been using Fujinon lenses on the cameras, of course, on the video cameras, and they've been around for many years and Canon. Um, and I think when I left, I, had, I was working with Hasselblad on medium format and Nikon uh, on 35mm. Then Fujifilm came out with the first digital cameras in 2001. That's when I went digital. Yeah. Um, and that was a Fujifilm S1. And it was basically a Nikon, I can't remember the, the number, but it was a Nikon uh, film camera uh, with a digital sensor in the back and um, 3.2 million pixels <laughs> beautiful quality pictures you know it's not all about numbers anyway so if s1 and then a year later we bought the fujifilm s2 cameras which had six million pixels and we ran with those for a while then i bought a phase one back for my Hassel for a Hasselblad uh h2 Hasselblad i think it was and it was uh 2005 or something and it, it was 22 million pixels and then about medium format again and i love medium format because it's slow uh it's precise you know there's one second between each picture which is great you know i love that because you just don't go you know motor driving off and uh then i went on to when i sold that I went on to canon um didn't really get on so well with canon and then when this little fuji x100 came out by the way, I'm using an X100 to film me now. A hmm. um, little X100V, or well, the first X100. I thought that looks gorgeous. You know, I was in in uh, FotoKina in Cologne, and I saw it in a glass cabinet, and I thought I'm having one of those. And I didn't need another camera because I got enough cameras, and so it wasn't it wasn't a business decision. It was a personal decision. Yeah. And then it was just brilliant. You know, little and mirrorless. You know, it's fantastic. The whole concept of going from DSLR to mirrorless is it's a breath of fresh air you know you yeah. see the picture before you press the button it's like fantastic so anyway then they came out with the F- x pro one or whatever it was mm-hmm. you know the Fujifilm x pro one and i bought that the day it was released um i took it uh I, I, literally i picked it up and went to heathrow airport got on a plane went over to Chicago and I drove the route 66 from Chicago over to San Francisco. Uh, we went uh, to uh, LA, mm-hmm. to Santa Monica, and then we drove up the route 101 or whatever, you know, past Big Sur up to San Francisco. Um, and uh, just, I just took it on a road trip, and it was the most amazing camera to have on a road trip. It's three, pro- three prime lenses, one little body, and it was just brilliant. So from there on, I've been future film, So,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah, I relate. I'm holding the uh, the XT3 in my hands, and I bought yeah. it to start as a personal camera. I was tired. I used yeah. to be on, with Canon, and um, and I was just tired of hauling around this big, you know, camera for just for my. I got three kids, just to take pictures and videos of my children, and yeah. so I picked up an XT2. Is when I entered into the Fuji space, and um, and I was I loved it, and I was like I yeah. could photograph a wedding with this and
1: so i yeah. did the x, i mean i shot weddings with the x pro one you know yeah, not absolutely. many because I mean, we'd finished our wedding career at that point you know yeah. so 2010 i sort of wound down with the weddings um but yeah, yeah I, I would be quite happy to shoot a tweak honest. you could shoot a wedding on a phone you know i mean it really it's, <laughs> the photography is so easy the gear is more or less irrelevant these days you can't buy a bad camera um But you can be inspired by the kit that you use, you know, and if you get the right kit and it feels good in the hand, you feel it's just begging to be picked up. You feel that you've got that creative buzz. It's a bit like a runner, perhaps having the right shoes on, you know, there's something about it, a synergy. And if you get that buzz and you're in tune with what you're doing, then it can be just brilliant. So, uh, yeah, I love it.
0: Uh, and that's what um, then, um photography for me started to feel like um well listen so my webcam right now is a sony and and it's a webcam intentionally because it's it, it was such a i'm sorry sony people but it was such like a dead piece of equipment to me like it felt like a computer like a like a plastic computer and it felt yeah. lifeless in my hands um when i would use it, it brilliant by the way by the way sony people Amazing camera <laughs> amazing <laughs> i q the thing is phenomenal the imagery it can produce, but what Damien just said spoke to me in that like it just felt lifeless, and that's what yeah. brought me to life about the fuji yeah. is like I just felt like an artist, I felt like I came alive, I felt like i it was yeah. fun again, it just made photography fun, and I yeah. couldn't put it down I think there's even,
1: there's but... a lot to be said for that, I think not just um the fun i think you've got to be you, you it's got to deliver on every level and right. i think that the you know that that xt3 you've got there um i never got as far as xt3 i got xt2 um and then i went on to gfx the medium format yeah uh, and that was a massive change for me because i've every single picture for the last four and a half years i've taken on a tripod hmm. every single picture Okay. So I'm you know, going from walking around with the little X Pro cameras and the <laughs> xt G2, getting little shots here, little shots there, feeling that freedom, that fluidity in my work to put, to locking the camera down on a tripod for everything. And do you know what? These little changes are like big changes in life are so important sometimes to, for creativity. And I do this the same in my cars and I'll have a big car, um, four by four, whatever. And then I have a little mini. Um, and, uh, you know, I, sometimes I chop and change stuff just to, mm-hmm. to get that sense of just a, a, a refresh of the way of viewing, the way of looking at something, the way of shooting. And now I shoot everything as I say on a tripod. Um, I shoot a lot less. Every picture is upright. Every picture, the composition is bang on in camera. You know, it's just got that feel. I don't need to crop anything. I get the camera where I want it. Then I can get my lighting, tweak it up a little bit, create the moments, have fun, and I don't even have to look through the camera. I just press the button. You know, at the moment when the moment is right, I don't. You know, I don't have to look through the little hole. In fact, I've given up looking through the little hole.
0: I've given I haven't up. looked through a viewfinder
1: over. for. Must be now six years, seven years since I've looked through the little viewfinder
0: yeah I feel you know when you uh, read a blog post or there's an article or something and they put like in quotes like a really important quote you know from the person that was being interviewed I'm going to put this that's what's going to be the quote for this I've given up looking through the little hole it's going to be Damien Lovegrove (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: that's fine I don't mind you know I love it I started looking at the you know people chimping I think was the word when these digital cameras came in people, uh, people were looking at the back and it was like really looked down upon by the pro photographers you know they didn't like you know if you if you had to chimp you weren't a real photographer you know (laughs) and it's the same sort of thing happens you know when I'm I'm just out there shooting just using the LCD on the back and it's quite bright I can't really see much and yeah that's fine you know it's and you know, when I first started doing that, I got a lot of criticism and then the the people that were criticizing me were taking pictures on their phone, doing exactly that with their mobile phone. (laughs) So, you know, uh, you know how easy it is to shoot with a phone, you know, get the camera. If you want to photograph your food or whatever, anyone can do it because it's actually just straightforward and it doesn't, photography doesn't need to be complicated. You know, as soon as you get rid of all the complications with photography, it frees you up to be creative. Hmm. And I've always found the best way to, d- to develop your style is to leave stuff out. You know, just take I've sh- this last four and a half years. I've just used two lenses. Okay. So I've got a, a 32 to 64, which is equivalent on full frame of 24 to 50. Mm-hmm. And I've got 110 mil, which is equivalent of an 85. So I've yeah. just got the 85 And I've got a 24 to 50 zoom and those two lenses, that's all I've shot in the last four and a half years. And I love it because whenever I'm running workshops or I've got photographers with me, when we're shooting, them, it's always the question, oh, what lens do I need? And I think if you've got four or five lenses in your bag, before you've even taken a picture, you've got to start making decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the easier the, the less decisions you have to make in life uh with photography the, the the better certainly on the technical side because you can concentrate on the artistic side yeah it's so all I do is I walk into a space I'm thinking is this a wide shot or is this a tight shot wide mm-hmm. shot okay I've got that lens on yeah. so in my camera bag I've got one lens and on the camera I've got one lens yeah how easy is
0: oh I love know, it I have a, a similar but maybe maybe you know I haven't quite as developed as far as you in that. And that, um, so I tend to run around with on a wedding day. I just had a wedding here on Sunday and 35 and 85. Those are my two. Yeah. And perfect. then I walk in, I'm like, is this wide or tight? And cause yeah. I, I'm always thinking, I'm the head photographer. I, I'm going to operate on what we'll call it the extremes. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be in the average, which is the middle 50 millimeters, kind of like the average focal length. It's like, nah, it's fine. It's like right in the middle. It's expected. So, but that's not me. I'm not going to produce that work. So I always have my second shooter. I'm like, Hey, you're going to be on the 50 all day. I want you to get safe, average, expected. And I'm yep. going to go and I'm going to push the boundaries. I'm going to try to figure out how to make something either really far away and really wide and big, or I'm going to get really in close. Yeah. And um, and then I, I have them kind of produce the safe stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's,
1: a, there's always an advantage of working with those two lenses, of course. Yeah. you've got to, Obviously, you've got all the wide and the tight elements, but you, you do have to move. uh and as soon as you've got a zoom lens on the camera you can become quite lazy especially at a wedding um (laughs) and if you want to get a really nice compression in a picture um you know if you've got two people in front of you and you want to take a picture it's easy just to zoom out until they're both in the frame and you take the picture of course then you've got a bit of sky in the back of the shot and you've got a lamppost you didn't need and you've got the and you've got someone sort of walking through the back of the shot but if you if you're on that Tighter lens, that 85, and you step back and you, to get the nice shot, you make the effort the pitch mm-hmm. is so much better the reward is so much there much better so yeah, yeah I, I mean i'm all for that I, the role of the second shooter though i think that is um that is interesting because some photographers especially ones that like to capture the action um like reportage or what have you they often let the second shooter do the group shots and they do the formal stuff mm-hmm. you know the signing of the register the coming down the aisle or whatever um, and then they do the they do all the sort of arty stuff you know shot from the side, between the the behind the people you know um personally I like to shoot everything myself if I can and yeah. I, but when we were shooting weddings my wife used to be with a bride and do all the bridal stuff mm-hmm. and the advantage of that is that the brides they don't want some old bloke floating around when they're getting dressed and stuff so having a woman there <laughs> is amazing um and so i would also i was dead happy because i was like i was on the golf course with the guys let me go to a pub and we would have a few pints and a, a little bit of food and all everyone else sort of arrived with buttonholes I'd, i quite like the lad thing you know and i'd go behind the bar and i'd get shots of them you know wait you know with their drinks with their guinness or whatever it is and i quite like that involvement it also gave me the opportunity to connect with the father of the bride the brother of the bride you know this sort of thing um and so of course that helped a lot when we come to do the groups so um it's really useful
0: yeah yeah anything that um my take on it has been anything that is uh (laughs) has less personal um connection or personal touch i have my second photographer do so i don't photograph any details in the morning any dress shots or shoes or anything yeah, like yeah. that i just want to spend all my time building like you said those relationships the connection with mom yeah. dad bridal party um and then that kind of trend continues throughout the, yeah, the day yeah. anything that is uh relational i'm going to prioritize uh as that yeah. has been kind of my approach yeah. Gusto makes payroll taxes, HR actually easy for small businesses. I used to be on like an old school payroll processor from like 1982 and it was terrible. Gusto now has fast, simple payroll processing. Uh this is the really cool thing. They automatically pay and file your federal, state, and local taxes so you don't have to worry about it. Um they make like like W-2s, sending out 1099s, uh incredibly easy to run. You guys, those old Gusto wear one of your many hats. Uh, It gets better because for you podcast listeners, you get the first three months free when you run your first payroll. Try this demo out for yourself at gusto.com forward slash photo. That's gusto.com G-U-S-T-O forward slash photo. It all starts with the click of a shutter, an instant, a moment captured that can last a lifetime. If you know where to save it, Smug Mug Source is the latest addition to your photography toolkit. Now, every photographer of every skill level can manage, store, and organize every photo, including RAWs, from any device to ensure no moment captured is ever lost. Smug Mug Source uses powerful search technologies and organization tools so you can spend less time managing photos and more time taking them. With SmugMug's near 20-year experience in proudly protecting billions of photos, Source makes SmugMug a truly end-to-end photography platform. Head over to SmugMug.com forward slash Source now to learn more and start your free trial. No credit card required. That's SmugMug.com forward slash Source. SmugMug Source. Every photo, every format, everywhere. You mentioned at the start, actually, before we started recording, you said something and I wanted you to uh, maybe unpack it a little bit more for us on air. Um, You said you discovered that people don't, um, they don't need to know how to shoot weddings. As you were getting out there and and helping to train photographers, you realized that they didn't need to learn how to photograph weddings. They needed to learn how to use light. Could you share a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, of course. I think, you see, a lot of people, uh, you know, when they get to the point where they're starting to shoot weddings, uh, they can, if they're mature photographers uh, in their, uh, in their own internally, they can shoot weddings from early 20s. I wasn't mature enough to shoot a wedding until I was probably mid-30s. Um, that's when I'm comfortable enough to lean out of a window with 100 people in front of me on the lawn and direct them into a great Mm-hmm. Mood up until that point, I didn't have the, the strength of character to do that. But when you're young and you're, you're working through in these things, you, you, you sort of go to weddings, you go to your friends' weddings, you go to, you, you, you know, as you're growing up, you, your aunts and uncles' weddings and stuff. And of course, you sort of know what happens, you know, and you've seen wedding albums, you know, you know, okay, we need a picture of the signing the register. We need a picture of the bride and groom coming down the aisle. You know, these things are obvious. Um, The speeches, you need a good shot of each person giving a speech between the words, you know, so that they're reacting to the applause or what have you, rather than mouthing the shots, you know. So these things are quite straightforward. And although when I produced my wedding book, um, I started uh, running workshops on how to shoot weddings. Mm. And I felt I was teaching people stuff. They sort of knew, but it clicked. Actually, they didn't, they hadn't got the idea about using a, a continuous light as a little backlight. Like the light on me now it's a continuous light uh, it's creating this sort of rim rim lighting yeah um and i used to do that at weddings i've got a little you know used to back in the day it used to be a tungsten array, um and i used to put that in the in the back corner of the room and and then point it across bring it across the room and then bring the bride and groom into the shot there would be a nice little kick light and it just would look fantastic just a little light from the window or whatever and i realized that this is what elevated the pictures so mm-hmm. they just came off the page and it's what separated my pictures from other people's pictures were at a wedding fair, you know, just because, wow, that just, that, that's lit. That's that's like a scene from a movie. Mm-hmm. Um And so I just worked that way. And so I started teaching lighting mm. and uh, teaching people how to use light. And uh, it was quite a, you know, quite a, a, a wise thing to do at the time because it, it was another whole career. Mm. But what I will say before I, I move on is that back in the day, I produced 2008, I think it was, I made a video, um, my my business consultant, who, who was looking at these workshops I was doing, and he always told me to go on to lighting. He said, "What you need to do is also you need to video you shooting a wedding." I thought, "Wow, what bride's going to let me do that? You know, have a video camera pointing at me, not at them." You know, yeah. Um, but it, it was fine. We found someone who was really happy uh, for us to be filmed, what film, you know, photographing their wedding. And that, that film is available out there for free on our YouTube channel. It's a whole wedding, start to finish, you know, mm. with my wife and myself shooting. We had two camera crews following us. Um, and so, okay, it's going back a bit. We're I mean, talking a decade ago, but I think a lot of the, the strategy, the way you see me shooting, the way I'm working with the camera, camera in one hand, flash in the other. Um, and, and the, the, the way I'm shooting the close ups, the way I'm lighting people and working with the light. I think it's something worth looking at. So if you dig out Lovegrove training on YouTube um, and then look for the big day, the Lovegrove way, that's actually a like two and a half hour video of us shooting a wedding. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's possibly worth, it might be of interest to you, you guys.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you mentioned camera in hand, flash in the other. Oh, yeah. This yeah. is something that I do and I haven't seen very many uh, others do it and so i'm like oh my goodness where are you so i only pretty yeah. much do it at a certain point of the day uh is when i when i use that technique i'm curious when when does that technique come out
1: uh, i use it i use it all the time when i'm you see when you're in a, quite a dark environment Mm. it's all very well cranking the iso up and mm. and getting a sort of a grungy look but you find that like the the sort of the color of the shirt or the the lining in the waistcoat looks a bit dirty or grungy it doesn't have that lovely crisp look and the, the flowers look a bit but if you pop a bit of flash in it just lifts that now the light on you now you've got a light at about sort of 30 degrees coming in Mm -hmm. and as you look off to your there if you look off towards that light we're looking the camera's looking into the unlit side of your face and that that's art Right, so if I if you look back at me, if I'm shooting you, I've got my flash out here, full stretch, with mm-hmm. a little stove on. Do you remember those little plastic oh, yeah. things that go on the top? Yeah. <laughs> and I've got my camera here, and I'm just like, bang, getting get the shot. And so i have creating that angle, and I'm still yeah. working quite close.
0: Yeah. And
1: you get that lovely look. And I look into the unlit side of the face, and I'm lighting up key, upstage. So, you know, getting that look like you've got now, where your nose shadow is touching your cheek shadow. Mm-hmm. You'd, and so you've print. got that triangle mm. of light. uh enclosed that's the kind of lighting i I used to go for now the lighting on me is very flat light incredibly flat in fact what i've done i've littered the shadows but i've got a very what i call central key it's like a newsreader type key but it's it's soft um i personally love hard light i think crisper hard light is the most beautiful but sometimes when you're sort of communicating over low low bandwidth video then softer light is actually more you know it's it's a it's perfectly good you know so yeah but, yeah, well, so just, cause that's the Stofan and Flash. And just work it, t- or just TTL, aperture priority, TTL, minimum shutter speed to mm-hmm. 60th, handheld, bang, bang, bang. You know, that was the system then. Um, yeah. I don't do it now, of course, because I'm not tight for time. Um, <laughs> and I love using lighting stands. And, yeah, I mean, it's quite easy to put a Flash gun, um, just rest it on top of a wardrobe. For instance, or open a door a little bit into a cupboard Mm -hmm. and just put the flash gun on the top there with a stofen pointing up. Doesn't matter what way you point it with a and the light goes everywhere, you know? Yeah. Um, And then you've got your, that's your backlight then. So you can then sit the, sit the bride on the bed. Um, and uh, then the light is coming from behind it. It just looks fantastic.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love this. for For the podcast listeners right now, I must say this: that Damien and I are recording this as a live video, and so a lot of the references Damien is making, uh, it's because he's looking. He's we're we're watching each other right now. And not only that, but there is uh, a mastermind group that I have of other photographers that are actually watching a behind the scenes recording of this podcast early. And maybe it's just be an important little note that if you're not a part of that group, you should come be a part of it. If you search Damien Lovegrove in that group, this video will pop up and you can see the reference that Damien has. You can see the backlight that he's done. Uh, uh, You can see that soft fill light that he has, that soft key rather. Uh, You can see the Rembrandt lighting that I have here. So just search Damien Lovegrove. If you go to benhartley.com forward slash mastermind, it'll drop you into that group. It's free. Uh, And you can just search for Damien's name and you'll see this video pop up. Damien, yeah. Um stepping into the world of off-camera flash. And I I feel like I'm I want to bring this up because I imagine there's photographers that are listening to this right now, wedding portrait, that that um there's they're they're just beginning that journey. They're they're entering into that phase of getting that camera off. I'm sorry, getting that flash off of their camera, no longer bouncing, no longer pointing, no longer pulling the flag up all the time and playing with putting it on a stand and controlling it. And um, and I was curious, I know that we don't have the visuals here. And so I understand this will be a yeah, challenge yeah. when we're talking about flash. But I was curious if you had any thoughts or tips for the photographer who's just stepping into off-camera flash uh, yeah. to help them find success as they're taking okay. that flash off the camera.
1: Yeah. Okay. So the first thing, really, the flash should probably never have gone on the camera.
0: Um, It should never have gone on the camera. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, the thing is, if you were going to light someone and, and make the light look good... Yeah, you know, it's never going to come from in front of your face. You know, this is the this is the key. You know, this is important to know. So, um, and the first thing to do is to spend some time actively looking. So, when if you're sitting at, across a table um, with your partner or your children or what have you, and the, you're sitting at ninety degrees to the, a window and you're looking at the light on them and you're thinking, "That's nice light." Mm. Clock it, work it out. Where's the light coming from? Why is it nice? What what why is the contrast or what have you? And and as you start doing this, as you start looking and learning with your eyes and just looking to see the light. And it might be a bit of shaft of sunlight coming between two buildings and someone's walking into that shaft of sunlight. And it looks fantastic against the dark background. And you might think wow, that's great. But how do what what makes that light great is probably the fact that it's hard really crisp hard sunlight and you've got that lovely contrast separation so the background's in the shade and it's dark and it's sort of murky and then you've got this lovely bright environment so think clock that so what i do is i get the flash with a stove on that's a hard light source but it's going in all directions the little cap on the flash doesn't make the flash any softer all it does is change the direction of the hard light um so i'm working with hard light and if you take the flash power up, of course you've got to bring the exposure of the shot down. and what that means is that background comes down. So um, what you know with a, with a more power in the flash the uh, the contrast is higher. And if you take the flash power right down, then the contrast is lower. And it's literally like working with a torch, you know to make the torch bright, then you've got to make the shot darker and then a the bit that's not lit by the torch. It's dark. You know, the background is, is black. You know, you make, with flash, you can make a picture look like it's taken at night under a street lamp, mm-hmm. or it could be just a little hint of light. You know, back in the day, we used to, people used to use the words, things like fill flash. Hmm. It's awful concept of just like, <laughs> oh, I've got horrible shadows. Therefore, I'll put some flash in and I'll be able to light them out. It doesn't work. You know, it just looks wrong. So the key is to get, if you've got shadows, think that's an opportunity. So when someone's – if you come outside the church and the bride and groom want a shot with the front of the church in it, but the light is coming at an angle and it looks terrible as it's scooting across their faces, just turn them around. Still got the back of – the front of the church in the background, but they don't have to be perpendicular to the church. In fact, it could look better if you've got some – shooting into the light with the sunlight from behind – then bring the exposure up it'll look fantastic so the trick is wherever there are shadows and there are is drama in in the lighting scenario you can use that to your advantage and if there isn't anything there because it's flat light and it's overcast and horrible then you've got a flash Make it you know make your own sunlight Mm -hmm. um it's really uh it's it's actually i think the problem is when you switch a flash gun on all the numbers and Ratios and F numbers and groups and channels and TTL and HSS and all this stuff is flashing at you. And you're thinking, oh, I don't really understand it all. And focal plane and stuff. If you can get beyond all that stuff and just think of it as a flash with a you know, of volume control, which is basically a manual, Work, yeah. put it in manual, work it, turn it up. If it's not bright enough, make it brighter, turn it up a bit. If it's too bright, turn it down a bit, you know, yeah. then you can't go wrong. Yeah. Um you just it's free you know this photography malarkey we can put a flash on a camera put it into the kitchen photograph the cat and try different settings and work out understand how to make the picture high contrast and low contrast and yeah it doesn't you don't have to print the pictures it doesn't have to cost you anything so my feeling is just to get out there um and practice until it becomes second nature
0: i love what you said about uh, all of these things, the TTL and the high-speed sync and uh, all the options that are there, all the groups and the channels. I love what you're saying about just treat it like a volume control. Dumb it down and you've just got your up and your down. One-to-one, one, one one twenty eighth, uh, And... And in some regards a lot of these new flashes like they almost overcomplicate things especially if you're new to it because they 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 do all the things they're like so they have all these options. I've actually found the most joy just photographing with like a very simple cheap <laughs> air yeah. quotes cheap like basic light yeah. that doesn't have TTL that doesn't have all all these other modes and it's a great kind of way to start that simplifies it is
1: but there are i think you find it's a bit like um you know when you're talking about working with that sony camera and how it didn't really gel i think uh, the problem with the way the sony cameras certainly were i think maybe the latest generation are much better on the user interface but they relied on you going into menus to make changes Mm -hmm. and the way the fujifilm cameras are structured you have to sit and with next to the manual when you buy the camera and go in and set it up but, from there on, all your adjustments are on little dials, little wheels. Yeah. We understand wheels to make you know the shutter speaker up and down the the i s o up and down and the and on the aperture is actually on the lens it's a little, it's, and so it 's easy for your brain to click it through you don't have to think about menus and stuff and again i think with the flash i'm using a system by godox but i've used uh, profoto yeah, and wrong and elinchrom and loads of other makes in the past and generally speaking you, again you can't buy bad flash you know it just generates light yeah. it does the job yeah. but what i'm doing i'm setting up the group i put it on channel four because that's in the uk that's the arts channel on tv Um, and then i've set the group uh, a b or c if i've got three flashes and i always have a on the left b in the middle c on the right if i've only got two flashes i'll just have a and b left and right so i'm never having to think oh which one is which you know it's just and then i've just got the control on the camera which i can press a and i can just make it brighter or darker And I don't even look at the numbers. I'm not even aware if I'm on a sixteenth and two thirds and, you know, <laughs> because that is actually the same as an eighth minus a third. And, and, yeah. if, and the, and, and the flash gun will show you both depending on what way you're turning the dial and actually giving the same output, you know, if how confusing is that? So the point is that actually. I just you know if, if it looks well, that looks I could do it a bit more coming in from the left, I'll just you know press A, crank it up a little bit, take a pitch. oh, that looks nice. Yeah, fine, you know, or whatever. Um, and then I'm ready to go. Uh, but I think the key is to get your lighting and your stuff sorted before you bring everyone else in yeah. you know. So if you're at a wedding, set up a light, go up into the bride's bedroom um and take a light take a light put it on a stand get the, your assistant to sit on the corner of the bed or a dressing table or where you want them to stand and take a few shots until you're thinking actually i've got the balance right now mm-hmm. then you can wander down bring the bride and groom up oh just sit here that'll be fine just into there take a picture it looks effortless All the head scratching is done and it's out the way. So it's like the swans paddling underneath, but it looks calm on top. (laughs) So sometimes those little things are quite, the tips are quite good. But continuous light is becoming a big thing, you know, because LEDs are bright now and they're they're low energy so they can run, you can put them anywhere there's no fire risk and you're not going to run out of battery uh, and so these things are actually coming in now and i think in a big way so for a lot of wedding work um, it's going to be a big help because after it got a bit after dusk uh, all of the weddings i've ever shot it used to be 800 iso 60th at f4 you know just that's what you dial in because back in the day a 100 watt bulb uh would give you it would look lovely in a room at 800 iso 60th at f4 a fireplace would lit it would look good a christmas tree would look good you know everything was the same but now leds have come into hotels our interior light levels have dropped to stop um and so i go to a hotel now and i'm on 1600 iso for a 60th mm-hmm. at F4, um, just because they're slightly less efficient the way that they, the house lighting is. And we've become used to that, working at maybe at 400 lux as a sort of a living environment instead of 600 lux. So it's interesting how these things have changed over time.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's wild. So you mean to tell me that you're not out there with a light meter on your weddings? I know. I've
1: never used a light meter. Thing. I don't use I, a light meter. I haven't I used do, a light meter. I don't meter either,
0: nor do I recommend it. <laughs> 2001,
1: you know, uh, because... The thing about a light meter is it doesn't understand. If you want if I'm taking a picture and I want it to look dark and moody and I want it to have a certain feel about it, how am I going to dial that into a light meter? You know, if you go and meter the light, it's going to make the picture look accurate, you know, and everything's going to look average, mm-hmm. um, average luminance uh, and it just doesn't work. So the trick is to. You know, don't I get it in camera? I don't think. Oh well, I'll just expose that in the middle, and I'll hold the highlights back, and I'll deal with that in post. I just do it in camera mm-hmm. uh, because you haven't. Got, when you're shooting weddings, you don't have the time for post production. You know, it's one one minute a picture, okay, um, in in Lightroom, and that's it. You know, that you can do a whole wedding in a day, three hundred pictures. That's uh, five hours. And that's one day of editing. You know, by the time you've had a couple of beers at lunchtime, and you've got coffee in the <laughs> morning, and a little chat with, with uh, your PA in the afternoon, and then you've got to switch the match on later. You know, five hours is a day's work, and it's an entertaining day's work. I mean, you can get a wedding done without it being a slog. You know, um, that's three hundred shots edited, looking great, and it, it works if you've, you know, mirrorless is big advantage because it means that you're not taking you're not pressing the button when the picture's too dark or too light you know you make your adjustments before you press the button so as you look at the whole set it should just look right um and uh yeah so it's quite quick I love this. anyway that's that's my this is great damien
0: dude we could talk all day on this stuff um but now I, i've got to i've got to end this po- this podcast so i can go watch that video on youtube <laughs> 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 hey, where can people find you online? I'll make sure to get that link to the, yeah. the to the video. YouTube's YouTube. the best place. But yeah, t- YouTube so
1: is what- the best. Way. I've got a, you know, I've got a few subscribers on there. um I've got a few videos. um Look, what look at the recent stuff. You know, I, I'm really bad at managing my YouTube channel, so I don't pull back. I pull off the older stuff um, mm-hmm. and I enjoy it. You know, there's a there's a video on there for. Um, speedlight mastery that's all in ttl so if you're into your ttl off camera flash speedlight mastery is the video to watch um it's had over a million and a half views you know and it's got a lot of thumbs up so uh, it's worth looking at um if you want to come on a workshop or a holiday and have some fun and try and you know uh, offset it against your tax then Uh if you uh, are interested in my style of photography and you want to learn about the way i use light and the way i shoot hollywood work or boudoir or how i shoot lovegrove nudes then i've got a book called portraits um which was mentioned earlier and it's literally about the style of shooting and the the way i communicate with people and the way i light them so everything i know about photographing a portrait is in that book and that's lovegroveportraits.com so um, and then my blog um pro photo nut uh and it's just that's pro photo is in Correctly spelt with a ph in the middle, as opposed to fo, you know. Um, and everything I've done in life is sort of there. Um, I started that in two thousand and seven, and so it sort of carried through. Um, it's good for search uh, function on that, so you'll find my the shots of my Route sixty six journey, for instance, the first set of pictures I shot with the um, with the X Pro one all those years ago, um, and I, it's called Sign of the Times, and I have just did a whole journey right across america looking at the old signage and the the textures and the and the rust and the stuff that so was brilliant but anyway I, again you know that's one of those things if you're going out with a camera have a project in mind you're making a journey think about narrow down what it is you're looking for because otherwise you won't be able to see the wood for the trees you know, if you're just everything in as you're driving into L.A., everything is just so busy. There's signs everywhere. There's cars, there's traffic, there's people on the sidewalk, there's vendors. There's so much going on. If you're just concentrating on street vendors and you're just doing a whole collection of pictures on street vendors, it's brilliant. It's easy. You instantly know what you're looking to photograph. Mm. Um, and so I would say just try and narrow things down in your mind before you press the button. It piggybacks um, off of
0: what you were saying earlier, the the creativity found in limitation and how you've discovered that through limiting down your lens choice and yeah. in the same way, limiting down what is the the purpose of the session. What is the subject? What is the yeah. purpose? What's the feeling? What's the story? Yeah. I love that. I'm going to take that to heart, actually, for, uh, we're going to, we're going to rent an RV here, uh, in a couple of weeks, two weeks, uh, take my family for a few days. And I think I'm going to think about what is the, uh, what's going to be my assignment? What's going to be the story that I'm going to tell rather than I'm going to document everything? I'd like to get a little bit clearer. Um, I appreciate this, Damien. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming on uh, today's episode with me. I appreciate this conversation and I can't wait for everyone to get a chance to dive into the content that you have for them. Thank you, Damien.
1: Thank you very much. Might be my pleasure.
0: Podcast listeners, uh, thank you for tuning in uh, to today's episode talking to Damien Lovegrove. Uh, Please do yourself a favor, take a look at uh, his website. If you're unfamiliar, I imagine very few of you aren't, but if you're unfamiliar, uh, if you hop over to his website, the work uh, it'll just connect all the dots, everything that we've been talking about today. You're going to go to the site and you're gonna be like, Oh, dang. Okay. I'm starting to connect. I'm starting to get it now. And so this is a real treat to have Damien with us today. Podcast listeners. Thank you again for tuning in. Uh, I can't wait to see you in the mastermind group where you can see the, the lighting that Damien was describing. Otherwise we'll see in the next episode of the six figure photography podcast. Keep showing up.